Martin. There he is. How's it going? <sighs> yeah, pretty good, man. Pretty good. What about you? Yeah, all good. Glad to be back. It feels like such a long time between episodes. I know, that's because it's so much work to pull it together after we actually film it. Yeah. And you would think that after we've spent 50 plus hours on each episode that we would be dreading the next episode, but I'm not. Probably because not. of this. It, it, it might help. Well, cheers, cheers. to that. <laughs> this is a very special episode, is it not? It because is. Because we've been getting a lot of questions. When I say a so lot, many. at least, at least a handful. I think maybe two handfuls. <laughs> two handfuls, all right. But some of the questions have been really cracking. So we put a shout out across social and across our own personal networks as well and just said, if you can, send us video, audio, or just fire us a, a message. Uh, and we'll we'll cover them all in a special app. And here we have it. Do you want to introduce what we're doing? It's all about fucking Finn, fucking me, fucking all of us. One big fuck. Today's episode is called Fuck You Sideways. Right, Martin and Finn, quick question. What platforms do you use for promoting our work? And what technique or way of advertising have you found to be the most beneficial and useful for your work? Thank you. Good question. What are your thoughts first and foremost? Well, that's my friend Ansi. I do recognize who that is. Talking about socials, you should check out his socials. He's a very talented cinematographer. He does some amazing work. He's based over in Finland. I think for cinematographers, your, your top socials are Instagram and Facebook and YouTube basically sites where people can watch your talents. In terms of promoting your craft, I think what's really hot at the moment is behind the scenes. What people sometimes don't often think that's what they want to know is how you actually did it and how much work actually went into that. So if you can, take some photos, take some videos, maybe even create some short form explainers. I see people um, utilizing TikTok and Reels to do these quick like 60 second breakdowns of scenes, of shots. And people love that and there's lots of huge pages on Instagram and Facebook that are dedicated to literally pulling back the curtain and showing how all these amazing shots are done and they do really well. So I would tag all them in your posts, I would use those hashtags. Um, in terms of Facebook and um, paying for promotion, it works, just make sure you're targeting efficiently. And you can do little tests, you can do cheap tests. So you can spend a fiver and see where that gets you and then you can spend 20 quid and see where that gets you and if that doesn't get you we're trying to find out why by looking at the analytics um so that's what i would say about that without going into a huge amount of detail what about you finn what, what advice would you give yeah so um thanks for the question Ansi. first and foremost um you've got a really awesome look going on with the, the long blonde hair the finished brad yeah. pitt yeah oh dude totally totally in terms of platforms Martin's, Martin's covered a lot. I mean, it really depends on who your audience is, really. Like, undertapped networks are often best. So, you know, a good example right now is Clubhouse. You know, it's invite only just now. If anyone wants an invite, I've got a couple. Um, it was my brother who works in creative industries in Australia that hooked me up. And it's interesting, it's growing, so you're, you can potentially be a bigger fish in a smaller pond because a lot of the ponds that you mentioned yourself, Martin, and that we think about, one, one that we didn't mention was Vimeo. Vimeo's a, a really good video platform if you're into your video work. I mean, if you're selling things as a creative, if it's video, Martin definitely covered them all, but as a creative 
There's loads of, of smaller places where you can highlight your work, but I would always go back to your own walled garden being your website where you can control the content, push your audience to, and then they're not being bombarded with everything else. Because platforms aren't your friend. They don't give a flying fuck about you unless you are keeping their audience there. And they're not interested in just you keeping them there, everyone keeping them there. So they will happily push them yeah. to another audience. So in terms of marketing, I'm a fan of traditional marketing, picking up the phone, sending an email, meeting people, rubbing shoulders, actually making some of those um, those core efforts to market your work. And that's when your website comes in real handy because you can say, oh, head to my website instead of saying, oh, check out my Insta. And then they're caught up with something else that has caught their attention. So thanks for the question. That's all that I would say. Hey, Finn. Hey, Martin. How the fuck are you? It's Craig Williams here, voice actor yeah, from nice. Houston, Texas. And I have a few questions for you, but before I get to the questions, I just want to say the interview that you did with Stephen was <laughs> fucking amazing. Pissed myself laughing the whole way through. Really, really cool. Okay, so to the questions, and it's relative to the creative world. First question is, what can a voice actor do for you to make your life easy? What is it? when you work with a voice actor that just makes your life a fucking dream just say i'm going to use that guy again what is it that makes you want to go and use them again hi craig thanks for the follow thanks for the question i've worked with a number of voice actors over the time as you can imagine uh, something that i really appreciate is quick communication especially at those early stages and throughout the project because normally you can be very quick to get the work not you Craig but just people in general very quick to get the work communications always up 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 and then sometimes it falls flat during the project communication is key but also transparency with pricing and also the actual rights to you using your voice voice artists much similar to musicians it can be quite complex to work out what rights you have to use that voice for the said piece can you cut that down for a separate piece within that single charge can you use it worldwide i mean what are the limitations what are the restrictions what makes it easy for me working with a voice actor is someone who is flexible uh and yeah. someone who's transparent yeah. and someone who's a good communicator and that that's really it no i i've worked with a few voice artists and um i've not had a bad experience with them at all i've maybe been lucky so yeah like the common thread with all those guys is just they're just lovely people they're a joy to work with transparency i would echo finn is is vital um rights is really important a lot of creatives starting out who are um looking for voiceover artists they get trapped in that they think that they'll pay you a, the rate that's agreed and then they can use that again and again and again and they can chop it up and use it again when sometimes Sometimes that isn't the case. Sometimes it is, but transparency is vital for that. So be a good cunt, be flexible and be transparent. I would echo what Finn has said. Voiceover actors, in my experience, are just lovely folk. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it, um, but they, they generally are really, really lovely, lovely folk. But there are a few questions. Shall we get to some more? Yes, let's do it. And I suppose the second question dovetails into that. What fucking annoys the shit out of you about voice actors? What do voice actors do 
that really gets under your skin and says, you just say, fuck's sake, really? Kind of answered that, didn't we? <laughs> I think I jumped the gun there a little bit. One of the, the most valuable things about working with creative people is their input into the project. And yeah. if it's on the client's time and you're gonna soak up 30 minutes of recording time, providing feedback when you've had weeks to provide feedback based on the script, that definitely winds me up because that just equals costs. That equals a, a chat with the client about costs because it flows through us. I don't have anything to add to that. I think transparency is super key. And um, but other than that, I've had lovely experiences. So just don't be a dick and you'll be fine. There's at least another question. Shall we get back to it? Yeah. Third question is, where do you source your voice actors from? Do you use online casting sites? Do you use uh, agents? Do you find them directly? Do you have a roster? What is your preferred method of finding voice actors? My preference is going direct to the artist. If I can work with them without going through an agency, I will, because I believe it's better for them. They get all of the money. No one's wetting their beak a little on, on that payment. Yeah. And I don't need to go through uh, a middle person to engage with them so and it also builds a, a very good relationship for, for future yeah. work so a number of voiceover actors I've worked with on several occasions especially those who are bilingual as well because in the UK we've done projects in Welsh and also in Irish and in Scots Gaelic I would say your own website is the most valuable because even if you're if, even if the name pops up if you can go to their website and contact you directly that's super valuable. In fact, Craig is someone who emailed me to ask if we had a roster. And he also sent a Christmas email as well. Doing the right things already. What he's very cleverly doing is generating a, a personal relationship with production houses who will use his services so that when jobs come up, even if you don't quite remember his name, oh, who's that guy that contacted us a few months ago and you just searched yeah, the voice totally. actor. But we, we have a roster ourselves. So over the years, we add people into our voiceover actor roster so we can basically get in touch with all of those who have worked with in the past because there's pre-existing relationships there's an understanding of rates um so that's really valuable so that's what i would say is you know it's just classic classic networking is like grow your yeah, personal put yourself network, out there put yourself out there for for a man who doesn't like doesn't mind dropping an f-bomb in a in a video message <laughs> like you're hired next question the last question is you know, the world is changing and a lot of things that we do can now be found on shitty sites like Upwork, Freelance and shit like that, okay? And it's driving down our rates. And a lot of companies are happy to pay shitty rates and get shitty production. How, how as creatives can we improve this situation and keep rates up and let our clients know that value is worth paying for and that what we provide um, really gives them a return on their investment. Hopefully those questions are good and you can answer them for me and I look forward to seeing the video. Uh, thanks again and I'll be looking forward to seeing your next video. Cheers boys! Yeehaw! <laughs> Well, uh, well, legend. Well, yeah, legend. classic, classic te Texas outro. So, last question: What do you think, Martin? I wish I wasn't three pints deep. The top thing we can do as a collective is just like stick to your guns, um, keep making great content, and and price your worth. 
because the more people that undercut, it puts more pressure on actually talented people to undercut below them, and then it's just this domino effect where nobody's getting paid the right rates, and it's fucking the whole industry up. So I think you have to you have to stick to your guns and just keep banging out the best possible work. If you've got the quality, the talent, and you're the right creative, like, you know, you've got the voice that they want, then if the price is right, all those things match up, you've got the job. The problem comes when you've got someone of equal experience, equal skill, the same voice, the same home studio, and they're on Fiverr selling the same one minute script for a hundred quid cheaper than you. Now, if the client goes with them, what can you do? Not much, right? And this is where the relationship comes in. This is where knowing that, oh, you know what? It's really easy to work with them. It was really enjoyable to work with them. Quick communication. They made it really fun and enjoyable. They were really engaged, got the content really quickly. The quality was excellent. Everyone was happy. I'm always happy, especially because I'm working with client budget to find someone who's satisfying all of those things. I'm not judging things purely on money. It's budget I'm working with. So that's that's the that's the pot. But within that pot, that's what I'm looking for. You need to ensure that you are providing more value than just your voice. What can you do? I would say be a good cunt. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> it's such an easy answer. It is, yeah, just, it is though. Just be you a know? good cunt. Just like keep as, working as, hard. Yeah. Turning out good content and be a good cunt. I feel like those are the three those are the three fucking things that I hire people on. Are they talented? Do they work hard? And are they a fucking good cunt? Do I want to work with them? If I was writing a CV, I haven't written a CV in fucking years, but if I was to write a CV, those would be the top three things on my CV. As long as you're a good cunt, you could be less talented than someone else who's more talented, but a fucking arsehole to work with. So yeah, Craig, listen. Thank you so much for, for taking the time, um, especially from so far afield, to provide those great questions. Really, really interesting. We've not worked together yet, but I do look forward to having a project at some stage yeah, absolutely. where absolutely. we can put you in front of some clients. So if you want to check out some of Craig's work, go to craigsvoicetalent.com. And he's, of course, on social media as well. Craig Williams, craigsvoicetalent.com. Tom, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Keep up all the awesome work. And yeah! <laughs> okay. Speaking of cowboys, this is, like, oh, yeah. this is such a go. super quick tangent. Super, super quick tangent. But I went for a walk this morning and I found this podcast called Black Cowboys. So far, it's a five-part thing. I don't know if they're adding to it or what. I'm on the first episode. And did you know that one in four cowboys in the US were black? I didn't know. I, I knew there was there was loads of them, but I didn't I didn't know the the stat. But that makes sense. But but I, well, I didn't know that because they don't. You know, it's not in the movies. You know, it's like totally whitewashed. But it's super interesting. So it's a podcast series, and it's about some of the most notorious or most like awesome black cowboys in the West, and it's like stories um, told uh, from a dad to his son that used to tell him when he, was, uh, when he was a kid, and it's just fucking amazing. I also didn't realize that before the rich white guys from fucking Boston and all that came over there, they, they got along as equals, and it wasn't until the rich people came over and started slaving them all and all that kind of stuff, that's when there was this big divide. Um, but before that, apparently they got on really well, which I thought was really interesting. It's just something you don't see, you don't hear about. Um, but yeah, Black Cowboys, check it out. See if we brought back challenging someone to a duel. Why did you call me, boy? 
So Stephen McCall on his episode, he was just like, just grab those dicks and shake them, you know? And he was talking about all those assholes out there, all those dicks who just go around acting like dicks and don't get their comeuppance. Imagine if you could say, Oi, I challenge you to a duel. And literally, Wait, it's like fastest gun wins. You have to accept. If someone challenges to a duel, you have to accept. The world would be a better place if we were able to kill one another on permission. You would think twice. Yeah, exactly. Next question. Are you recording? Yep. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, I've got a question. I was wondering, what's your opinion on modern special effects, uh, CGI and stuff, uh, when compared to like old school practical effects, uh, like models and puppets like they used in the original Star Wars films in the 70s? Um, I want to know which one's better and why. Cheers. Dan, great question. Martin, maybe you want to hit this up. Funnily enough, I actually wrote my dissertation on it was it was titled film versus digital the great debate and a huge part of that was actually looking at um special effects visual effects um and how far they've come and what the kind of impact on that has been from a modern day director's perspective <laughs> and it's been a while since i erased that dissertation from my head because i did it in 48 hours and still got top marks well quick quick question then what's what's your preference Old school, new school. In terms of viewing experience, I much prefer no CGI. It's very close, but these days sometimes it just kind of takes you out of it slightly. I would say people who are 20 or younger, they would look at it and laugh um, because the VFX today are so impressive. There was a point probably early to mid 2000s where they were just shite. They just looked terrible. It was this cusp between it looking like a, a PlayStation video game and reality. It was somewhere mixed there and it just brought you out of the whole experience. But now, you know, the Marvel films are pretty good examples where a lot of it looks so realistic that you can get immersed in the story and it doesn't pull you out of it. But my personal preference is old school. And a really great example of that is American Werewolf in London. There was a bit where uh, the hair is like coming out of his skin. And I'm pretty sure some of that was rewound. Check that out if you haven't seen it. There's some amazing effects in that. Painting, you know, like painting on on glass um matte paintings yeah yes yeah. thank you like did it some of Wars. that stuff like the art the art involved in that yeah. is incredible yeah. is incredible so from a from a creative perspective i think it's more interesting and and more impressive ian mckellen who played gandalf in uh, i think it was on the set of the hobbit that he actually broke down because he was sitting at the table where all the hobbits were. He was acting with no one. There was no one there and he was expected to act. And he was like, this isn't acting. This is not, this is not what an actor does, acting with a green all around you and pretending, although arguably that is what yeah, an actor does. You can create some amazing things for a fraction of what it would cost to go out and shoot it and try and rig it up as special effects. Like one of the first episodes of cut two, we talked about um, what Disney are doing in terms of uh, these new kind of uh, virtual studios where they mm, can that's right. very quickly key in 
backdrop so you don't have to go to the Sahara Desert now to shoot a scene with two people talking you can take them to a wee studio in Glasgow and literally get the same effect so just opening up so many doors for a fraction of the price is really interesting but I think a lot of people get really caught up in VFX and that it's required to have a big blockbuster movie because it's not I think um, as long as you've got a solid script solid story solid performance nice cinematography you can craft a, an amazing film um, without without all that shit but let us know Dan when you watch the episode let us know uh, what your opinion is on VFX Dan the man has a follow up question my next question is what name would you give to a golden retriever my answer is Trevor I love old people names on dogs Trevor Sheila Jim Margaret just fucking name your dog something old bring back the old names they're dying out like imagine like your dog's over in the party Trevor come on food <laughs> some shit I love old names on dogs my dog's called Robbie so it's not quite it's not quite old but it's 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 human instead of calling yeah. it Spot or Spike or some shit like that like give it a personality give it a name call it Trevor Dan my advice would be you kind of need to meet the golden retriever I don't think for me it's enough to know the type of dog. I want to look that dog in the eyes to really work out what kind of name it is. But I would agree with Martin, it, it should be something personal and not too overused. Yeah, with characteristics. Yes. Uh-huh. Old school's the new school, baby. OS for life. Take it easy. Thanks so much for your awesome questions. I hope all is safe and well down in London town. Cheers, Dan. Morning, Finn. Good morning, Martin. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just quickly about to drive to set. But my question for you guys is: as a creative and a freelancer, how do I calculate the price of my work? Um, like how just how much it costs, how much my hours cost, um, and how do I tally up? that charge for my client. Um, I think one of the hardest things when I've spoken to other freelancers is actually figuring out how much your work is worth. So um, yeah, it's, what's, if there's a system for that or a good way of calculating that, that would be great to know. Thanks, I love the podcast. See you guys later. Aww. Now, uh, I recognize was... Florence. She was on the shoot. She was on our uh, the, the Jared Burns from last episode. We talked about Jared yeah. Burns' uh, music video. Flow. Yeah, Flow's yeah. awesome. She's currently, she said she was off the set. She's currently working as an AC on um, a really big Amazon Prime uh, original series in, I think, in Edinburgh. So, yeah, awesome. Like, Sweet. I love working with Flo. She's super hard worker, like, like an asset to any team. Flo, great question. Thank you so much for taking the time, especially with how busy you must be, because those long days on film and TV are grueling. Difficult one to answer. It is a mix between what rates are dictated to you and what standard rates are expected based on experience. What I would say is as long as you are getting paid more than the living wage for the hours that you do, and happy with the rate that you're getting paid for the output that you're delivering, which should be a mix between the output that you deliver, the experience that you have, and I guess the quality of your output as well. I don't believe that time necessarily should enter into your creative pricing at all. 
personally. I think it's a, it's a misdirection often basing your value on time. Ideally, base your value on other things like what you deliver, which is a cumulative effect, not just your output. It's a little bit different in, in TV, especially when you're on set like you are. But yeah, Martin, in terms of, in terms of people who work specifically in film and TV, what's some good ways to, to work out what you should get paid and I guess what you could argue for what you should get paid, because it's a negotiation as well, isn't it? Yeah, so I don't have a huge amount of experience in terms of negotiating pay on big sets like that, but I do know that the main union for uh, broadcast entertainment in the UK is BEC2. So BEC2 have rate cards for every role, every department, and it's a great base. I think the last time I checked it was a fair base. Um, of what you should be getting paid at minimum. So basically, make sure you're getting that and then negotiate up. And it's often easier to negotiate when you've got backing. So you're working in the camera department, so there's other people in that department. So I would just work hard, like rub shoulders with those guys and gals and create a, a lasting impression. And I know you will, and I know you will do that. So I think it's just keep grinding, use your talent and your excellent communication skills as an advantage when negotiating. Fight for the rate that you deserve, especially when you're freelancing with short-term contracts. It's very easy to just be like, I'm just going to accept even though it's a hundred quid less per week yeah. than what my rate should be because I need the work. Push back. If the department head wants you and they're like, hire Martin, right? <laughs> Whoever's hiring, like they, they will be like, it doesn't matter. Is it within reasonable rates? Hire him. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah. I would always, that negotiation can be tough, but this is why, and this is what we discussed in previous episodes, Martin, you need to have a buffer in terms of your finances so that you can push back. So that if you don't get that job, you're not financially at a disadvantage needing to look for other work that isn't within your chosen career path. So put some money aside so that you're not at their mercy you yeah, know? yeah. Then you've yeah. got a little bit more bargaining power. Great question, Flo. It, it's a difficult one. Everyone is challenged with that. But you need to work out what your rate is. And then on a, maybe even on a quarterly basis or on every job, Re-evaluate. review, yeah. yeah, review your rate and be like, listen, I've got more experience now. I'm worth more. And then when they ask you what's your rate, bump it up by 25 quid a week. And then just keep doing that. And all of a sudden, you'll be potentially earning more than the person sitting next to you because you've negotiated a better rate. Always a tricky scenario. It's happened to me a couple of times, um, which is why often people don't talk about how much they get paid. If you're working in a department, which you are, where you've got a team backing you and you've got a team who's essentially hiring you or recommending you for the next job, like you you do, don't, don't, overthink it too much because if someone if if your dp or your head of whatever department you're in is saying no we want flow she was excellent in the last shoot it was fucking amazing and um there's a bit of pushback like what's 50 quid what's an extra 50 quid a day it's really not much like they've got the money for that um so i think it's just about standing your ground and not overthinking your ask as much. Flo, it sounds like um, you're doing great work. Uh, I hope it's a, it's a relatively easy shoot. They never are easy, but I hope it's <laughs> rewarding. Um, and I hope you're getting the rate that, that you deserve. 
And if you're yeah. not, next time, push it, you know, push it and put some money aside so that um, you've got that, that confidence that you can push it. Great work, great question. And thanks for taking the time whilst you're on shoot. That is super awesome. Yeah, and good luck with it. I know this is uh, quite a big deal for you. So have fun more than anything. Yeah, I'll look forward to hearing some of the horror stories. <laughs> Same. <laughs> next question. Shoo. I'm here on the golf course. Panama. It's hot as fuck. Nice. We got trees, we got iguanas, <laughs> alligators, crocodiles. How much do you guys make? <laughs> On a golf course in Panama, wanting to know how much we're making. I want to know how much he's making. I was wondering where he was going with that. How much do you make? <laughs> how much, how much do we get paid? Martin, how much do you get paid? Uh, not, not enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. How much do you make on, on an average project? I make about three to five K on your average project. Is that the project sale price? Or is that how much you take home from the project? I usually take home about, yeah, somewhere between three and five. But the average project cost is probably somewhere between three and eight, I reckon. For myself and my company, so I'm, I'm 10 years on within being a videographer. So my company turns over six figures, um, which is a convenient way of telling the truth without telling you how much the company makes. Um, but it's, it's very profitable. And in terms of myself, I earn anywhere between 30 and 50K for largely tax reasons. And that will largely depend on how good the year has been. COVID's not been a great year. Previous to that, there's been some great years. It's a different game when you work for yourself compared to working for a large organization or if you work in the financial industries. You know, within two or three years of graduating, if you're working in the financial industries for a large international finance company, you could be earning 100 plus um, easy per annum salary, you'd be taxed a lot on that, you know, 40, 30% or whatever it is. So I'm constantly reinvesting in the business and what the business is doing as well. So it's a little bit of a different game. So in terms of how much um, I make and we make, um, we make enough is what I would say. You know, we're not, um, we're not going to Panama to play golf. Let me put it that way. <laughs> So Drew, thanks for the hard-hitting question. Thanks for the humble brags. That was definitely some humble bragging in there, wasn't it? Should we move on? Next question. Du Wichser, fahr doch fucking los. Motherfuck. Was geht ab, Finn und Martin? Ich habe gehört, ihr wolltet ja Bugs beantworten. Deswegen hier mein Fuck you. Ich habe hier vor, Carcass zu machen. Ich weiß aber nicht, wie ich mein Auto am besten einrichte, sodass und hier kein Nebengeräusch oder sonst was ähm, hört und so dass das Bild hier auch äh, gerade ist und ich nicht irgendwie so schräg äh, gefilmt wird. Ne? Was brauche ich? Was für Technik? Was für Tipps hast du? Und ähm, ja, wie gehe ich jetzt am besten, <lacht> am günstigsten vor? Ich freue mich auf eure Antwort und Ich freue mich auf eure Antwort und ähm, bis dann. Kuss auf die Nuss. Vielen Dank. Ciao. Uh, okay, so I'll give you my translation. How, my translation was... How's your German? Hi, Martin and Finn. Tips. Ciao. 
that's what I got. <laughs> that's, that's all I got from that. Nice. So um, what I did was I uploaded it to our YouTube channel. I let YouTube do its thing, do its auto auto subtitling. Yeah. Downloaded the the captions as an SRT file, sent it over to Logan. Logan translated the German SRT file into English, just like for like. Essentially what he's wondering to know is, if I want to record myself talking whilst I'm driving on camera with sound, what are some tips? How do I get the um, a good shot in terms of framing, lighting, and what's the best way to microphone it, you know, so that it's not tilted, so that I get clean audio, what gadget tools and tips can you go about? What is the best and cheapest way? What would you recommend? If you're planning to shoot during the day, I don't think you'll need lights um, because you've got so much natural light coming in. I would get a GoPro, I would get a suction cup and I would put it in the middle of the car and frame it up. In terms of audio, if you've got time to sync it up in post, I would just get a cheap lapel um, because at least that would hopefully get the best audio from you and not everything around you and uh, record that to your phone. That would be the cheapest way to do it. So I think I haven't got, had a GoPro in a while, but you might be able to hook up a lapel directly to the GoPro if the wire is long enough. I think you've covered it very well and Logan, just to help you out, um, this is something that I purchased many, many moons ago. And specifically why I did is that it has two suction cups, which are independently able to tilt. So you can put this on the outside of a car even, with a safety wire, of course, but it allows you to um, adjust the cups independently so that if there's a bit of a bow or even a window, because a lot of windows are curved, right? So this allows you to adjust for the curve specifically why I got it, but it also has a tiny little magic arm, right? Which is completely two ball sockets, uh, very, very flexible, and it locks down super, super tight. On the top here, I've got uh, an Olanzi um, smartphone holder. I'm normally chucking a smartphone on here. If you've got enough light, smartphone, you could plug a lapel mic directly in, a smartphone compatible one directly into a smartphone, or a GoPro is another good option, especially because it might be quite close to you. And unless you're using the front facing camera on a smartphone, you're gonna have to set it up with the rear facing camera, which is gonna be a nightmare to frame if you're thinking about putting it front of dashboard, like that's gonna be super difficult. Front facing cameras aren't as good. GoPro, especially the Hero 9, which we'll be showing later on, so stick around for that because for our guest episodes, we've got a whole kit. We use a GoPro for that. It's got a, a front-facing LCD screen these days. So a Hero 9 would be a solid, solid choice for your carcass. It has wide, or you can make it more linear so that you don't have the fisheye effect. Um, whereas a smartphone, you'll have certain challenges. The Martin's suggestion in terms of using that as an audio device, super, super great idea. So in terms of audio, this is what I would recommend. Super long cable. It's a, a Boyer, go to cut-2.com, I'll link to it. But you can, you can change this from smartphone to a camera so it works on a smartphone or a regular camera. Super long cable, that's what um, we would recommend for audio. As Martin said, you need to 
sync up the audio and the video in post-production. This is the most important thing. You could get away with a clamp, a smartphone, front-facing camera, might not be the best of qualities, but it will get you started. And at the end of the day, mate, content is king. It's what's in front of the camera, not the camera. So as long as it looks the part and the audio is usable, people can hear what you're saying. But yeah, man, carcass, that's awesome. Anything to add, Martin? No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Other than that, top tip, plan it, especially because you're driving. You know, you're operating a vehicle, there's other people on the road. So that would be my main concern about doing what you're suggesting. So something to consider is your personal safety and other people's safety. Other than that, man, can't wait to see your car cast. Thanks so much for the question in German. I appreciate you recording it in German and doing the translation for us as well. You're a legend. Next question. Hi, boys. So I have a question about motivation. So when you guys are tasked with coming up with a creative idea or a creative brief, and you're a bit stumped or you're a bit low mood, low energy, what sort of techniques or what sort of things do you guys do to help get the creative juices flowing again? Great question. Real good question. Thanks, Steph. Yeah, so it sounds like a pretty box standard answer, but um, this year I've been heading outside a lot more. I've been going for walks uh, and on those walks, which is a new thing for me, I've been listening to podcasts like ours, like our lovely podcast here, but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that, you know, Black Cowboys, for example. I wouldn't normally fucking, that's not something I would go searching for, but it just expands your knowledge. And what I said in a, a few episodes earlier was a lot of my inspiration comes from information. And so if I'm heading out for a walk and I'm stretching legs and I'm kind of taking my mind off of things, and then I'm selecting a podcast that could be something I'm interested in, it might be something I'm not, that's getting injected into my brain while I'm out there and my head's already clear. It's just, it's a great motivator for inspiration. That's where I've got a lot of my inspiration this year. What about you, Finn? Definitely changing your environment most definitely helps. Mm. Just step away from it. Take, take a couple of steps back and look at what you're working on from a different angle different perspective. Sometimes I do this when I'm editing as well, like I'll play and edit out as it stands, but I'll step back yeah. and watch it from afar, almost like you're you're watching over an editor's yeah, yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Going for a walk, I think it's a great, great suggestion. Just stepping back from it, making a cup of tea, then coming back to it, that could be all it takes. Or you know what I normally do? Speak to someone. It doesn't even need to be someone who is within your field the requisite skill yeah, yeah, set yeah. speak to someone about it and what i find that does is that it it expands your position on it without them even doing much at all you could just say oh, i'm working on this project this is what it is it's just a trigger i've just hit a totally brick wall need. a trigger yeah. indeed martin but yeah it's it's a difficult one we all get that as well take a break that's the other thing and that's what that walk is just take a break Set it aside. Shit, man, if you've got that call in 15 minutes with the client where you've got to actually <laughs> yeah. pitch something. Don't leave it to the last minute either. That's a big one for me. Like, try and fucking... <laughs> don't do that shit. Martin and his timekeeping. Yeah. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a don't, million times. Don't do that shit. Don't do that shit. <laughs> Next question. I got a question for you. A friend of mine's having a bit of trouble at the moment because he has um, a small business and uh, a couple of important clients and the problem is is that uh, he's got plenty of work but his main clients aren't paying him 
and um, when they do pay him it's not correct and it's late so he's got this problem where he's needing to manage the relationship because he wants the work but yet he also needs to gracefully um, ask for the money but also ensure he gets the money so I was just wondering if you had any advice for someone who's caught in that type of situation because I wasn't really sure what to advise him. Hmm. Oof. These are hard fucking Oofy questions. Pops. I thought they would be nice questions this evening. I could have a pint and be like, so, how's your day been? <laughs> well, I think people are people are most definitely basing Shit. basing their questions around our general content, <clears throat> which is which is hard hitting, Martin. Yeah, but we're, we're not hard hitting, we get to the But we're not that I'm not that much of a professional. <laughs> So I guess some of the main points there was their important clients. Needs to maintain a relationship. Yeah, you need to maintain that relationship. So what I would say is if you deliver work and you haven't taken a deposit, like part payment to cover at least the majority of the work, you may not be making profit or etc. Then if they dingy making the remainder of the payments and it's not worth getting a debt collector involved, it's just a bad debt. Write it off as a bad debt and if you can, never work with them again. And if you do work with them again because they are a good client except for that, then they need to pay that money back first, right? If they eventually pay and it was a bad experience and you do decide to work with them again, 100% upfront, no negotiation, no, no nothing. You need to pay 100% up front. You know that I can deliver the work. You can trust that I can deliver the work. And if you want to work with me, it's 100% up front. And then if they're like, oh, why, why, why? It's my new policy. You don't need to explain, it's because you didn't fucking pay me last time. Or I had to wait six, seven months. So that's what I would say in terms of avoiding this, which is what I implemented with my current company is to ensure you get your payment sorted, your your actual, how much you're being charged and what your payment terms are. So with our own, if it's under a certain amount, it's 100% upfront. And if you're not happy with that, then that's fine, but that's our payment terms. So if, yeah. you're, if you're like, I'm not, I'm not agreeing to that, well then we can't do business and that's okay. So I did this, I did, I did the, you know, the 20% deposit, like potentially refundable and then I did the 50 50 you get pay me 50 now that locks in your date 50 as soon as it's done and now I'm just like fuck this pay me it all I'll do the work you'll get great fucking work and if you don't that's a conversation after like you wouldn't go to a fucking supermarket rack up your 500 quid monthly bill for your five family of five and then say yeah you know what I'll pay it in a month's time like that's just not how the fucking world works so why should it work differently for creatives if you're set up as a limited company you've got credit it's not like you're just giving fucking two grand to your average student who's just bounced out of uni and is like, I'll make you a video. Set yourself up, give yourself credibility, sort your website out, create a presence that demands cash up front because you're gonna avoid so many issues by doing that. And if and and if people don't agree with your policy, then they're not the right fucking clients to work with because I had an issue like this like last year. It was a, it was six months. 
and this is a huge company, six months, and it was the only reason it took long was because when you're working with really big companies like that, it's like a ticket system, so then so it has to go through all these things, and it mm. just takes time, and they're not in a rush to pay it. And I sent multiple emails, multiple calls, and no one could really help me because it's this ticket that's floating around this fucking system, and you just have to wait for it, and. They didn't ask for a 50% upfront. I offered that. I should have just charged it all at once because it would have been one ticket. So I got the deposit like well after the work was done. And then I sent off the final thing even when the work was done. And then it was another fucking three months or four months before I got that. So so don't even, I wouldn't even bother with the deposits. If you've got faith in your work, then just go for it. One of the main concerns here was maintaining a relationship. And to have a relationship to, be, mm. to maintain implies that they are rating the work that you're doing already so asking for the money yeah. up front shouldn't really be too big a leap um for yourself and also from them you know oh we work with this guy we've got a good relationship yeah no worries that's a new policy that's how we'll do things moving forward so i wouldn't um overthink yes. it too much if you do work on a project by project basis a retainer could be a very good model to implement with clients essentially come to some sort of agreement last year you spent let's say 20 grand with me uh it was across five projects instead of doing that this year why don't we just say two thousand a month and that will mean that i can be on more of a call basis with you so it gives you more flexibility it means that i know how much money's coming in from our work together and what we'll do is we will still create estimates, invoices for the work that is carried out so that you've got records for that. So that could be something that you could implement. We do similar things like that ourselves, uh, but also what we often do is we'll say, listen, just pay us up front for this year's projects. Just pay us up front. We'll provide a credit note and then let's jog on and you can contact us We'll let you know how much of that is used. And once you get to a certain legitimacy, as you say, Martin, if you're running a limited company that's VAT registered, you've got you know, your own terms, conditions, you can dictate a little bit more and, and be a bit more expectant of what a client is to deliver. But man, what a great question yeah. and a tough one. I hope we've kind of answered it. I don't know whether we fully have or maybe we've answered it too much, Martin. Probably. Which we have a, a lack have a of terrible, doing. terrible uh, lack of doing. But we just want to help people and give enough detail. Um, and anyway, you're editing this episode. so Yeah, so fuck it. I really love those video questions, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time and the energy to record those. Uh, we thoroughly appreciate it. And such an eclectic mix our audience is. Um, and specifically, for all you women out there, send us some questions because we're really interested in getting some more female voices on the show because we're um, blatantly aware that between Martin and I, there isn't a fanny between us. Nope. And if there was, you know what you'd call that? Don't say it, Martin. Don't say it. Hi, Martin. It's your good friend Brody here. I do have a question for you. I would like to know what age you were when you lost your virginity, but I would also like to know where you were when you lost it. Um, yeah, I'd appreciate you getting back to me. All the best. How old were you and where? Not, not the background. <laughs> not, not, not the background, just the, just the age, age and where you were, just age and location. I don't think it's legal for me. It's... 
Let's make you 16. So I was 16 when I lost my virginity. And it was in my, in this room. Good age. This room I'm sitting in right now. Seriously? It looked a lot different. I had satin covers, so I remember it well. Martin, what, what, what were you doing? Moonlighting as a as a porn star? Uh, like? uh, I guess I probably overthought it too much. So I, I, I even, I even had, I even got like a, a towel. So yeah, that's, that's basically, it's not fun. This is getting, <laughs> like, I know it's a late show, but like, you, you'll have to cut that. Yeah, out. We'll you can leave me in it. saying that, but you should cut, cut that I'll out. Literally, leave me I'll in literally saying, fast forward all of that, that all of that. All of that. Where were you, Brody? Where were you when you lost your virginity? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Comment like, below. I assume it was a really strange location, given he wants to know where. Maybe he was blindfolded, so he's trying to find out who he lost his virginity with. <laughs> Denny, these stories match up. Do the stories. <laughs> Don't worry, Brody. Unless you visited Australia like 20 years ago, I think you're all right. You're safe. Man. You're safe. So what about you, Finn? How old were you when you lost your virginity and where was it? I think I was 17. You know, I haven't thought about this question for quite a long time. It was quite the scenario. I was at a mate's, mate's house. So not a house I was familiar with. It was a house party, but a friend of a friend. So it's completely unfamiliar. Didn't know the girl before either. It was actually the morning after the house party the whole place was deathly quiet Ugh. and we we both ended up like we hooked up the night before both ended up like um with the help of my mate's mate um on a couch bed literally mate halfway into it his parents came home oh jesus <laughs> yeah so immediately just like <laughs> and detach <laughs> and asleep just sleeping here, just sleeping here. The good thing is, is that we actually we actually had a little relationship after that. So Oh that's um, always nice. Uh, but yeah, there we go. There you go. Great question. Great question. Great question. Yeah. When did you lose your virginity? That's what I want to know. Let us know down below. Hello. <laughs> Got to it. So my question for you, Martin, and it's themed at me because I've just moved into my flat, so it's quite interesting to see what your views on this one would be. Would you rather have a flatmate who is very, very messy or a flatmate who was always drunk? Uh, speaking from an experience, I would probably prefer the flatmate to always be drunk. There's nothing worse than a, a messy flatmate. I've had them. And I've also had drunk flatmates and I always preferred the drunk ones because generally they were out having a good time. I have broken up friendships over mess. Like I like I I don't consider myself OCD, but I am. But if you come to my flat, it's neat. Ladies, it is neat. Like their bed is made. Ladies, you can go for a bath and not worry about like pubes in the in the, in the on the. Is honestly the place is immaculate. I've always been very clean. My mother might disagree, but I, like when I'm living independently, I'm definitely very clean. And I used hence, to live with a bunch of guys. Hence, hence the towel. Hence the towel. Look at that. Hence the towel. Look at that. At the, at the age of. 16 <laughs> but no i i've actually severed like friendships over it. and I, not necessarily because of that but that's been the thing that separated us and we haven't really bothered to speak ever since but i, I i've i've lived with um filthy flatmates it's gross um it didn't help that that flatmate in particular had um no fucking sense of smell 
So like, it's just the worst combination. The way I see it is, if you're in a flat with flatmates, that place should be your home. You wanna go out, you can go and have a drink, you can go and KO, like go to other people's house parties and you know, it's chaos. But at the end of the day, you wanna, you wanna have a place, a space where you can come home, you can take your shoes off at the door and you can relax because you're living in a lovely, clean home. And that's what it is at the end of the day, it's your home. So look after it and don't fucking turn it into a, a shithole. What you, what you do in your own room and how you keep your own room is up to you. But if you're in a share house, the least you can fucking do is clean up after yourself. Not asking much. In terms of would you rather, if the mess was confined to their room, I would rather the messy person. If their mess is around and about fucking everywhere and they're a fucking cunt, people go missing all the time, mate. All the time. A little bit like creating a business is you need to set your mission, vision, and values. Like it might be a good exercise for you guys to sit down and work that <laughs> shit out. And do it now. Do it now. If you've got a drunk and a drunk, like someone who, who fucking drinks to excess and causes bother, or someone who is messy as fuck and causes bother, you need to rein that in or get them to fuck out. Amen. Well, next question. I hope the move's going well, guys. Have a, have a beer on me or I'll maybe see you in a month's time. Anyway, take care. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Good luck to you. <laughs> I feel like we're really we're really helping. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're really yeah, helping yeah. people. So here. these are the three yeah. flatmates. So those are the first two, and this is the final one. Are you ready for this? Mm. Sorry, what? What? The, these these are the flatmates. Yeah. <laughs> so one of so either the person we heard early, earlier or the person we're hearing next is either the drunk or yeah. the messy one. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. So this is the third messy or drunk. Are you ready? And Martin and Finn, I um, thought I'd just drop you a message. I had a bit of a question for you because I'm throwing a dinner party tonight and I was just wondering what you guys would throw out as some aperitifs pre-dinner. Uh, I've got a few things on the go here, but I'd just like some inspiration from yourself. Really looking forward to your response. Thanks. Connor's the drunk, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he's drunk. <laughs> he's definitely drunk. <laughs> Aperitif is an alcoholic beverage usually served before a meal to stimulate the appetite. Yeah. Dude, you're a really, you're a really classy, sophisticated young person. I'm impressed. Or he's just a very you're classy, about... sophisticated, drunk young person. <laughs> well, I was going to say, given that he's asking about what should I be serving people for drinks ahead of the meal... He's probably the drunk. So, um, not not that you are. You probably just enjoy some booze. Amen. And I don't know anyone like that. I don't know anyone like that Neither. at all, Martin. Cheers to that. Cheers to that, Slonger. I'd be tempted to uh, go down the uh, caffeine route. Uh, the reason I would go caffeine is that your guests are just arriving. I'm assuming it's a dinner party. You know, they've had a long day's work. They need a quick pick-me-up. Um, so I would go down the um, espresso martini route. A couple of espresso martinis, one or two. Get them, get them up, get them chatty, get them ready, get them nice and awake. I would say a really good, good quality, right? Good quality booze, good quality ingredients, everything in it. A punch, mm. right? Good boozy, boozy punch. We better not woo -woo. fucking, not fucking house party, not house party. Oh, woo -woo like not, house party. not where it's like okay. fucking. Glenn's vodka, Kid, classy and shit. fucking whatever else you've found in the cabinet. 
Fucking lighter fluid, who fucking knows what else is in it? I don't know. Fucking Skittles, whatever the fuck. So that's what I would suggest, is a classy punch. Make sure you have some ice cubes to the side as well, because punch always ends up at room temperature. So ice cubes in an ice bucket, if you've got one, that's super classy. It gets people talking, oh, the punch is delicious, what's in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can be like, you can swoon up and be like, oh, it's actually an old family recipe. It doesn't matter where, where you got the recipe. But all I'd like to add is post-dinner, and it doesn't matter what kind of dinner it is, I will always happily have an ice, ice-cold limoncello. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, classic yeah. Italian, Italian, um, you know, post-dinner, dinner drink. Some of the other ones that I've had are like, oh, gross. Really, really rough tasting. Chin chin. <coughs> Fuck you know. <coughs> Bizstrom. Think I might. <coughs> Think I might need a little bit more sugar syrup in that. Morning. Morning, mate. How you feeling? Um, I have felt better and worse, Martin, is the answer. Uh, but the sun is shining. It's I've, really ruddy shining. It is, it is. And I've got my Iron Brew 1901 full, full sugar to sort me out. Good shout, yeah. good shout. Yeah, big shout. What's happening? So reason for my call, uh, we actually forgot to answer one of the questions yesterday. Um, so I'm cutting this into oh. the edit right now. And it's a question All right, cool. from <laughs> one of my friends, Cammy. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And uh, yeah, so the question from Cammy is... What is the most unprofessional thing that you've witnessed someone doing? Oh, good. So it's not me being unprofessional, it's someone else. No, fortunately <laughs> not. It's not us. Fortunately, it's not us. I've got one. I've got one. This is a classic. I've told this one a couple of times, actually. Oh, check that sun. This was, this was when I was a runner. So long, long time ago, but I get this, I get this call from a production company I'd done a bunch of work for. And they're like, are you free to be a driver? <clears throat> Classic runner, you know, do you have your license? Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And so it was early start, like half five, but I needed to be there for half five. So I needed to get a taxi to a producer's house and then drive them up to, what do you call the, you know, where everyone goes skiing? Yes, Glencoe, thank you. So it was up at Glencoe to compress this story a little bit. Uh, she didn't come down the stairs, didn't have her contact number. She didn't come down the stairs until 10 to six. So I was waiting in the fucking freezing cold for 20 minutes. She comes down the stairs and is like obviously hungover. Like <laughs> proper, proper hungover. I feel you, um, I feel her. I'm feeling already, I'm relating already. Yeah. <laughs> now I didn't think anything of it. Um, and so the plan was I was to drive her car up so they got me on the insurance and then I was getting a, a train back down. So it was like basically a half day, full day rate. She had a really nice Audi, like proper, proper nice Audi. So anywho, as soon as we're in the car, she goes, hope you don't mind if I close my eyes. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 all good, all good. So I'm driving up there in silence, pretty bored and she's sleeping away. And then halfway up, she wakes up and I'm like, oh, we're still about an hour out. And she was like, oh, thank you so much for this. We had a rap party last night for another project and I just knew that I'd not be in a position to do any kind of driving. 
And I was like, all right. And then I was like, the penny fricking dropped. And I was like, the only reason I'm doing this job is so she could get pissed the night before. <laughs> so they paid me like 250 quid to literally drive a producer up the road. And then I got the train back down. But to be honest, not the worst job that I had, but no. I thought pretty unprofessional, but also, but also, it's the kind of thing that I'd like my company to, to yeah, yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty um, expensive Uber. <laughs> pretty expensive Uber. Yeah, I'm one. I'm one of the best. I'm one of the best. So that's probably five stars. That's probably it. Yeah. What about what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's been so many unprofessional uh, things that I've done, but thankfully that's not what we, we need to answer here. And um, there is one that comes to mind, and I was working for a pretty big uh, company at the time and they were really old school and they wanted to um, view the, the drafts of the films uh, in person in a cafe in Glasgow um, which is fine you know uh, there are some clients like that but I was in Pilocri which is 80 miles away I had other things to do essentially within that day instead of losing my full day going down there for a couple hours so I tried to make the case you know could I just send stuff over and they're like nah we'd, we'd much rather just come and it was just one guy I'd much rather come and um, view the stuff myself so I was like alright no worries so drive down early hours I'm there for 9 o'clock had to leave about 7 and I get there I get there a wee bit early and I buy the guy a coffee for his arrival and um, so I sit down set everything up, it's all looking good, it's all looking like a big proper business meeting. The clock ticks by, 10 past, 20 past, half an hour past, um, 10 o'clock, I waited for a full hour and the guy just did not fucking show. Didn't show, he didn't ring, he didn't reply to my um, texts, my calls, my voicemails, nothing, nada. So um, I looked like an absolute, I looked as if I'd been uh, stood up <laughs> on a date and um, didn't hear anything from him. <laughs> Sent a few emails to his office, um, no real reply, no one really knew what, 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 what the reason for him being late or not showing up was. And then I get a message like two weeks later saying, oh, sorry Martin, I, I just uh, couldn't, couldn't make it, I don't know, I just, uh, mental health wasn't that good that day. Which, you know, is fine, we all need breaks yeah, for our mental health, enough. but like, come on, <laughs> like, you could have <clears> sent me a text at least. Um, or at least replied yeah, or w before two weeks from now. But I was absolutely, I was fuming. Yeah. I was really fuming because um, I just lost a full day. I moved things around for this. I'd driven 160 miles round trip for this meeting and Jeez. didn't show up. So. And get stood up. And to get stood that's up. The worst, so, that's I, the That's one of the, the worst dates you've ever been it on, is. mate. It is. It's, it is. You do feel stood up. I, like even I hate. I hate sitting in cafes with tooth drinks and the other, this is awful. Not that it happens often, ladies, but you know, once is enough. Sometimes your headspace isn't in it. But like a quick text to someone that you were meant to meet is, you know, kind of would, would have been, would, but, um, you know, you don't know how bad it was, I guess. No. But we've, we've, we've said, you know, we've spoken about this on mass about, you know, just treating people with respect and being on time and, you know, sometimes your headspace isn't in it. So yeah, God, man. Unprofessionalism, that's a good question. What was your mate's name? Kami. Kami, Kami, great question. Uh, Kami, I want to know from you what's the most unprofessional thing that yeah. you've witnessed and anyone else and anyone else just you know let us know drop us a line uh very good question and in this industry and i guess in any industry you face it but film and tv like yeah yeah, but yeah great question and um good man for for giving us a bell thanks for thanks for the heads up <laughs> all right
Back to the show. Punch it. That's the end thing of our wonderful cut to crew questions. Thanks, guys. Yeah, legends. So, shall we? Cut to. Thank you, cut two. This is the exact same as what we had before, but it's all about cut two. So we've got a bunch of questions that a few of you have DM'd us and want to know a little bit more about cut two, the podcast, the late show for creative. So first question, Finn and Martin, I guess, what is your podcasting, video podcasting setup? Talk me through it. In a future series, we're going to break down everything that we put into this podcast. But very briefly, we're currently communicating just ourselves. So pure communication so that we can chat chat through Google Google Meet. Meet. We do that just because it's convenient. It's just a link. We could be using any kind of video chat. It doesn't matter. But we use Google Meet. Plus, we can record straight uh, to our Google Drive, which is really convenient as well. So that's what we're communicating on. Both Martin and I have a Panasonic GH5. You guys can check it out. So we're using the exact same lens, the exact same camera, the exact same settings. That's what we're recording what you're currently seeing now. How we're getting the eye line so that we're looking at you, we're also looking at each other because we're using the GH5 as a webcam because it is running through an HDMI out from the camera into our computers and then into Google Meet. So we're recording on the same camera that we're using as a webcam that allows us to look at ourselves and record ourselves at the same time. And to get this eye line of us looking at each other, we use a teleprompter. So there's a screen underneath that camera with a mirror above it reflecting into it so that we can look straight down the lens but at the same time look at each other. Audio is recorded separately, shotgun above, bang into a focus right over here and I'm recording on GarageBand, you're recording on Remind Me. Logic X. And then that is synced in in post and it's all edited. I've got a key light up here and I've got a small fill right in front of me because my setup is really, really honed in here. So I feel like my eyes need a little bit more light in them. I've got a little hair light above me just to give a little bit of difference to the background. And I've got a big black flag here. It's (laughs) massive. It blocks off a huge part of, of the house. But that means that, um, and Martin has helped me with this. Martin is um, is a big fan of cinematic lighting, me less so. So it's been a, a good learning curve for me. Um, and this allows me to soak up some of the key light because otherwise it was bouncing off the white wall here. And this allows it to soak up that light so that we can get some nice shadow on this side so that it matches Martin's. I wanted to match Martin's shot a bit more than Martin matching mine. It would be a bit like, Can you lower your quality a little bit so that it looks more like mine? You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's it in a nutshell. Have I missed anything? The only thing I would add to that is that we have our notes on a separate screen. We do a bit of planning before each episode and we have that just to keep referencing. We don't read off scripts. We have a teleprompter, but we we literally only use that so we can look at one another because we think that's that's such a key thing that isn't done in video podcasts is just the focus. The eyeline. Yeah, because I'm chatting to you, yeah. but I'm also ch- chatting to our one listener. Um, so it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's a really great... Two listeners. My mum's my mom's, my mom's online. Oh, is your mum on, on as well? Oh, so is my mum. Maybe they'll, get, yeah. maybe they'll get on the chat at some point. Final thing um, is mood lighting, background lighting. So we both use Philips Hue. We can change this on the fly with an app 
And so we spend time, maybe one to two hours ahead of time prepping all of this because our office spaces aren't always set up to doing cut two. We work from here, we take business calls from here, so it's not always set up like this. But I take business calls like this. One of the reasons why I spent part of lockdown sorting out my home office a little bit more because I had all the kit here <laughs> that normally isn't here, so I thought I'd stick it in the tiny office. And because of the work that we do when a client pops on a call, I love seeing them go, wow. That looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? What, this? Ah, uh, it's nothing. But imagine dropping onto a call with some video expert or whatever that you were paying like thousands of quid to do, and they were just sitting in, in a fucking, like a yeah. white wall behind them with a fucking... Their laptop webcam the facing behind. up their nostrils. Yeah, super, super bad. I, I got the little on-air sign. I like it, it's a nice I touch. fucking always wanted one. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah, it's sweet. Right, shall we move on to the next one? Question two! How did you come up with the name Cut 2? Good question, listener. A lot of people might just think, ah, they just fucking came up with it. No, that is not what happened. They're probably just geniuses. No, we did lots of brainstorming, or I like to call it beer storming, where we sat in a pub and got pissed and literally wrote out uh, hundreds, literally hundreds of podcast potentials when we were thinking up a brand name we were needing to think podcast so we were searching what podcasts exist we were searching youtube channels what youtube channels exist what social handles exist and what domain names exist and that's so much more difficult than just deciding a business name. Yeah, because you find you know? a name and you think, oh, that's that makes sense, that works. And then you find out there's some obscure SoundCloud page with 10 followers and it's using your name. And they might have, they might have only done like two podcasts and then sacked it off five years ago. We can't choose that. So there were some really difficult decisions that we had to make. And um, we, we have a list, I'll show you the list. Hit me up, remind me of some of, the, some of the classic names that we had brainstormed. These weren't necessarily names that we were gonna choose. This was a creative process yeah. and just of FYI, trying to generate ideas. FYI viewer, we have patent, 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 pat We've copyrighted every single one of these names. You can't fucking steal them. Axis of action. Yeah, that definitely wasn't my note. <laughs> that is <laughs> terrible. Best boys. So for those not in the industry, a best boy is actually a role. It's like Lighting. A, yeah, it's a spark. Yeah, it's a spark. Is it not? It's yeah. It's basically Electrical it's basically the equivalent on. of a runner for a, for. For, for the lighting yeah, department. Yeah, yeah. Zoom in, screen test, lens flare, double exposure, get a grip. Get it? Because it's like a grip industry thing. Um, long shot, magic hour, match cut, angle, aspect ratio. I think at that point we were just describing terms from the industry. But that's what it was. It yeah, was just yeah, to generate yeah, ideas, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's at least 150 here. So at the end of the list, we actually had <laughs> cut two, but then we went past that and thought the big dick show was better but cut to like that's how that's that's why you never give up folks that's why you never give up we were we had cut to we had the big dick show and we had church of fudge and before cut to there was 150 potential names and we got there but we but were almost not forget at the though, end Martin. we were almost at the end let's not forget though do you remember do you remember the conversation we had where we were like, cut to because you cut to something? So that yes. made sense. Yeah. Because you know, we always wanted it related to, to our yeah. kind of profession. But then they were like, two? There's two. two of us. Yeah. We can spell it T W O. 
And what that allowed us to do, guys, that what that allowed us to do is to make it really unique in terms of podcast, domain, and social handles. However, someone had actually gotten cut2.com for some fucking unknown reason. Yeah. Someone has cut2.com, which is why we are cut-2.com, which is just as good. I agree. Next question. Fuck yeah. Question number three, Finn. How long does it take to create an episode of Cut 2? Episode prep time. So that's us prepping the episode together. We would say about two hours of prep time we put into the episode, but we probably put into more individually depending on the episode. Next. Setup time, that is setting up the set. That's lighting it, getting the cameras ready, making sure it's all sharp, making sure it's we're all lit and sounding good. That takes at least one to two hours. Spot on. Filming time, two to four hours. Two hours, it's kept at a limit for guest episodes because we want to respect their time. For episodes that Martin and I do, we extend it a little bit more. That two hour time with our guests includes an extra half hour of pre-drinks because we want to warm people up a little bit. And if they're happy to stick around, we always have post-drinks as well. So the two to four hours, I mean, maybe, it could be a lock-in, who knows? Next, editing time. Now this is a bastard. This is really where all of the work happens. This bit's easy, the prepping and planning, couple hours, but editing, shit me. 30 to 50 hours plus, easily. We spend a lot of time in the edit, we break down a four to five hour conversation sometimes, and we condense into an hour. That takes a lot of work, takes a lot of time. The result is definitely worth it. Um, but it takes a lot of time and that's what a lot of people don't realize when they are wanting to start a video podcast. And let me add to that is that it's not just the full hour-ish episode. We break down each segment into separate parts to release on YouTube and also trailers for each of those. And it also includes the thumbnails as well, plus writing a descriptor of what that essentially is, plus all of the tags. It and the website, up. the website, of course. And that brings us on to distribution, the final stage of creating a cut to podcast. Basically everything you just said, but what would you add to that in terms of distribution? Yeah, well, distribution, uh, we schedule as much as we can, which fluctuates depending on how the edit has gone in terms of how quickly we've been able to pull together the segment parts and everything else that I just listed off previously to get all together as a single package. But we share that across podcast networks through Podbean. We share that as a primary video distribution across YouTube, then across all your obvious social networks. That's our, our main distribution, but then there's the website as well, which is our little walled garden, which is where we would prefer you to go because it's our space. It's not Facebooks, YouTubes, whoever the fucks. It's ours. And then there's all of that updates with all of the show notes and all of the links and all of the stuff that we chat about. It's a lot. It is a lot. But it's ours. And it's awesome. And if you'd like to do something similar, all we would say, I think, you know, speaking on behalf of both of us, is that you can't underestimate how much work is involved. It is a massive commitment. And perhaps an audio podcast would be best. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And just to surmise what we've just said, all those steps to create a cut to episode as high quality as we strive to do, you're looking at five days and we are bringing out an episode we aim to bring out, yeah, minimum. And we aim to bring out an episode every fortnight, possibly in the near future. More, more than that, earlier than that, it depends on guests. So it's a huge undertaking to echo what Finn is saying. So if you're interested in seriously committing to a video podcast, now you know. <laughs> now you know exactly now what's you know. involved. Yeah. It is only Martin and I that work on this. Mm. We don't have any staff working on this. We don't have any freelancers that we pay to work on this because it's not revenue generating. Nayfucker is sponsoring this. Nayfucker is advertising on this. Nayfucker is watching this. <laughs> Hi, Mum. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at hello at cut-2.com or head on over to cut-2.com or message us on any of our social channels at cut2podcast. A good reminder, Martin, that we are sponsored by absolutely fucking nobody. Innocent Gun, if you're listening, which you're not, one day you will be and then i'll be like you're all right i've moved on to another lager which i secretly haven't i just don't want you to know about it i'm just hurt that you didn't sponsor us before that time <sighs> get in touch hello at cut-2.com anyway question number four what are your aspirations for cut to when we first discussed starting a podcast together. My only aspiration was to have an outlet to share what I speak to people about all the time, but to do it in a in a way that was more accessible, in a way that I would prefer to deliver it. People contact me regularly enough asking for help and advice. I love it, but I'd much prefer to do it with a pint in hand in a bar. It takes a lot of time and energy out of your collective day to help people with that. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to take all of the things that I can help people with and deliver people some value and to do it with a good, talented mate of mine and we could have some fun, grab a drink and cut too. That was my aspiration at the beginning, which was purely, I would love to create something that people enjoy and find valuable. Now, that hasn't changed. And my aspiration for it is, I guess for it to be successful. And for me, what that would be, would be to have a an audience of engaged viewers. I don't really care how many followers or subs or likes or whatnot. I'd really like to to have people to interact with a lot more about the content that we're putting out. My aspirations would be for it to be self-supporting so that it's not costing us money, so that we can staff it effectively, we can improve the content, we can make it better for the audience. So my aspirations is to improve it. And the only way to improve it is to garner an audience. And the only way to do that is to continue to produce great content. And the only way that we can do that is to continue to enjoy it. So my aspiration is to continue to enjoy the creative process of creating Cut2 with you for whoever is watching it. Hi, mum. One of the things that we said at the start was the minute that it feels like work, We'll stop doing it. But I think what we meant there was work that we don't want to do <laughs> because this fucking shit takes work, all right? 
Um, but yeah, much the same. Like, this was purely a creative outlet. I wanted to do a podcast or something along the lines of it. For a couple of years, I didn't do it because, one, confidence issues. I've always been a fairly confident guy, but take quite a bit to put yourself out there for 47 subscribers or whatever we have now. So, like, it, fair enough if you're putting yourself out there for a million subscribers because, you know, you're getting shit back. Chances are you're getting paid quite well, but to put yourself out there, there's risk involved and it takes balls, all right? It takes balls. But seeing what we can produce together, it does get me excited about the future. It does get me excited about what this could become. In a couple of years' time, we could have a, a, a really awesome community of creatives that we network with all the time. I love the brand that we've created. I think it's cool. I think it's edgy. I think it's real. And I see it as a production company in the future. I do see it as a production house, a production company. I don't know what that means, but I do like the idea of Cut To being a full-blown thing. Could that be film, TV ads? Could that be movies? Could that be a podcast? Could it be a network of podcasts? Could it be, you know, fuck knows. But I love it as a brand, and I don't think it should be a small brand, I feel like it should be a big brand. Do I have a clue where, what that's going to look like? I have no idea, but I, I, I have an inkling it'll grow into something bigger than what it is already, and that's what I'm very excited about. But for the meantime, it's a creative outlet, I'm loving it, it's such great crack, so we're, we're going to carry it on as as long as we as we want to dude that's inspiring to hear um that's that's really really cool uh and yeah fucking snap question number five martin what kind of guests are we gonna get on board what's the vision of that ah mate i'm so excited for guests like this this episode was such a great uh, indicator of what what this could become um, purely from all the people that have contributed to the episode, it's such great crack having a having a chat, answering questions, you know, and it's just a, it's a great teaser. So in saying that, when we're looking at guests, we're looking at ultimately creatives as a whole, but not limited to. But we're looking at artists, we're looking at DJs, we're looking at musicians, we're looking at actors, voiceover artists. We had this evening, business people, entrepreneurs everything like everything that requires just a smidge of creativity we want to talk to you we want to we want to hear more about your experiences we want to learn a bit about your craft about some advice that you could give to other aspiring creatives and that's kind of the, the target it's almost like taking you out for a beer in the pub we just want to get your genuine selves and just have a chat no stress no pressure have fun with it yeah. that's our plan your genuine selves is what you've just said there. And I think if there's one thing that many of us can relate to, Martin, is that we don't see many genuine selves online. Yeah, absolutely. More and more, I want authentic conversations. I want authentic relationships. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to create a wider network of people who do want to be authentic. And in terms of creatives, I'd like to pass on that you don't need to be a full-time creative to be part of this. You don't have to have a plethora of work, a career. You don't have to have any of the shit. I don't even have that shit. We just want stories. We want to, we want to chat with good cunts. We want to have a drink with you and we want to learn a bit more about you. Because chances are, if we're interested in you, our audience will be as well. So fucking get in touch. Cut-2.com. Next question. Next question. All right, Finn, thank you, cut to, final question. How do I create a video podcast that doesn't suck balls? 
I mentioned this briefly to my lovely wife recently and she specifically said, see if you ask that of Martin, I'm pretty sure that he would say, just don't. Yep. And I literally laughed out loud because I was like, yep. That's exactly what he would say. So how do you create a video podcast that doesn't suck? I would start like I always do with clients. Let's talk about the audience. Clients often ask me about algorithms and about like channels and how they treat content and everything like that. And you know what? Like for me, that falls way, way down the list. And what we're trying to do is to create something that we fucking love but at the same time, trying to provide value for our audience. Um, so how to create a video podcast that doesn't suck. Planning, we've mentioned that so many times. Getting some help and support. And if you'd like some help and support, then give us a shout. Hello at cut-2.com or just head to cut-2.com. And I'd just say that we're, we'll be coming out with more specific help and advice for that. But otherwise, Martin, I think you would probably say just don't. Yeah, fucking, it's not worth it. 47 subscribers, are you fucking taking the piss, mate? We spent 50 hours per episode. We're on like episode 8. We've got like 60 odd fucking plus social media posts like on all of our channels. We write like individual posts for each of those, like written posts for each of those channels. Mate, it's a fucking write off. Don't do it. Like, it's fucking dog shit. Two to three years from now, we'll, we'll cut back to that. And it'll be you saying, yeah. 47 fucking subscribers. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, I'm and a couple mil at that point. And it'll be great. But like, <laughs> it's not, like, it is about that. Because that that's a measure of, of success, right? Like, that's a yeah, metric. Yeah, it's a driver. Yeah, it's yeah. a metric that we can... But it's also how many people we're helping and influencing. And I don't mean influencers doing like, oh, I'm getting paid to fucking sell... Use my stubby use my coolers and, and I'm such an influencer. Ah. Like, have you ever tried this this face cream? You put it on at night and by the morning you're young. It's not fucking that. <laughs> I don't mean that by influence. I mean how many people we're helping, how many people we're creating a, a network of positivity. So anywho, that's what I would say. Fuck you, Google. Fuck you in your stupid googly face. These are our answers to some of the most searched questions on Google. What time is it? Good question, Martin. It is currently 12.50 a.m. Next question. How do you register to vote? Oh. Next question. How to tie a tie? I have this beautiful tie that I have no idea how to tie. Well, I know how I tie it. Let's find out who ties it the way you're supposed to tie a tie. You, you teach me how to tie the tie. How do you tie the tie? Over the neck. Which side? What do you mean, which side? Over the, the neck. The big side over the left or the right? No, just... Uh... Long over the bottom. Long over the bottom. Yep, and then flip it like that. Flip it. And then bring it up, the big one up, through the hole. Next to next to your chin, okay, and then over. And then if you peel the like the first little like knot here, and you just tuck it in there. In the wee loop that's yeah, created. Yeah, and then you oh. push the thing up. Hello. There you go. <laughs> Holy shit, I've got a prefect badge on mine. That was a prefect. Wait a minute, that wasn't a prefect. I think this is my brother's. I don't think I was a prefect. Martin, if you don't remember being a prefect, you fucking weren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question. Are aliens real? First of all, we need to clarify, what are aliens, right? 
To me, aliens are sources of life form out with the planet, right? Okay, I'm not talking about fucking little green or grey men cutting about with big heads, big eyes, probing people left, right and centre, alright? That's not what I'm talking about. Mate, like, the universe is, like, so, like, incomprehensively huge. So, to think that we are the only intelligent, and I use that loosely, fucking life forms in this entire universe. Like, we're fucking idiots! Look at us! (laughs) It's not proven that they don't exist, but it's not proven that they do exist. So we're kind of in this agnostic kind of, well, maybe they do, maybe they don't, and when they present themselves, then I'll decide. It's easy to arguably say that from what we know right now, that if aliens existed and they had the technological capabilities of reaching us, they would have already done so. So the assumption is that either they don't exist or there's what is called or dubbed the great filter, which is essentially saying is that in a life form's development up to the point where they become interstellar, right? they can move between stars from our um, sun to another sun. And the fact that we know that there are stars in other places within the Milky Way. And this is just within the Milky Way, right? The Milky Way is just within the galaxy and the galaxy's fucking has millions of Milky Way. So like the there's potential for them to have had enough time to reach interstellar capabilities and to have had enough time even at sub light speed so light being the fastest that we can travel through space, even at sub-light speed, there's, there's enough time for them to have reached us. More than enough time for them to have at least a probe, at least something, at least radio signals, something to have reached us to say there is intelligent life form out there that has developed in a similar capacity that we have. Because we're not the first, unless we are the first. That's the other thing. Are we the first? to have reached a capability where we are sending out radio waves. We've been sending out radio waves ever since the early 1900s. Are we the first? And therefore, well, it's arguable to say that, well, we'll be the first to reach them. But there's so many planets out there in the habitable zones. I mean, really, if aliens were out there, that fucking shit hasn't happened, right? So there's there's all of this like proper scientific research based on shit that I don't fully understand that arguably says, chances are they don't fucking exist. Because if they did exist, they would have already made contact. And if they haven't made contact, they are so far away from us that they will never be able to make contact with us. Ever. Ever. And therefore, do they even exist? No. Finn, question number seven, where the fuck do babies come from? I don't know. I don't know, never had one. I've never seen them come out. I've heard it's horrific. Next question, how the fuck do I look better on Zoom? Eat clean, go for a few runs every week, and uh, give up the booze. Or you could invest in good lighting, good sound, and a good fucking camera. Potentially even a filler, you know, it smooths out the skin, gets rid of the, the swollen purple hands from the alcoholism, and potentially sticks a beach in your background. So, you know, it's all about learning the tricks of the trade. And what we would say is location, location, location. You gotta find a nice, sweet location for your Zoom meetings. Let's not sit on the toilet and take Zoom meetings. Let's find a nice, bright space 
potentially a kitchen, possibly a living room, but somewhere near a bright light source. You don't need to go and buy lights. That's a bit fucking OTT. Get by a window. During the day, you'll get a nice, soft daylight, unless it's in the sun. But let's be honest, if you're in Scotland, you ain't getting hard light anywhere. So it's always diffused from the clouds and the rain. Buy a nice window. Ideally, you've got your own headset, your own mic, potentially AirPods, if you're, you know, Tories like us. Something that isolates the aroundabout sound, something that helps whoever you're talking to focus on you and not the dishwasher in the background, not the microwave in the kitchen or any screaming kids um, running around uh, covered in shit. So next one, frame yourself properly. So as you'll see right now, well, actually I don't, yeah, as you'll see right now, if you look at a screen, you divide it into thirds. So you've got whatever the fuck I've just tried to draw here. This could be off, I don't know. We'll maybe use Finn's example. But essentially you want your eye line to be in the top third, okay? And you want yourself to be kind of in the middle. You don't want to be looking up, you don't want your webcam to be looking up your nostrils. You don't want to be like this. Yeah, you don't want to be like, like, that looks stupid. I'm here for a professional meeting. I'm here for a professional meeting. Janet, Janet, I'd like to ask a question, please, Janet. And there's screaming shitty kids and running in the background. It's just chaos, all right? So that, you ain't gonna get a job. You should be at school. You're best to put time and effort like Martin and I do into the background or blur that motherfucker, make sure it's far away, light in front of you, as Martin said, job done. Get in touch if you want some help, man. Like, you know, we've got some spare five minutes to give you, give you a helping hand and make yourself look better on a Zoom call. You deserve it. Treat yourself. Bang. Hope you enjoyed the episode. This was Fat Q Sideways. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you learned something from our half-cut answers. Um, and if you didn't get what you were hoping for, send us another line. We'd be happy to get back to you with uh, maybe a more comprehensive and cohesive uh, sentence or two. We'll try our best. And Finn, anything to add? Insult us online. Yeah. I am led to believe that as soon as you start getting many insults online, you have made it. So I am ready and waiting for insults about my physical appearance, things that I say that are incorrect or even correct that you just disagree with. Um, just slurs against against my general pastiness or my accent. That's also a good one. Definitely the accent. You know, just my general disposition. Uh, weight uh, is always a good one. You know, attacking someone yeah, for their weight. That's a, uh, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Blow the belt. Be because, you know, it's not like I'm overweight, but slow. But you know, it's an open, nah, open it's, season. It's definitely open. rippable. Like, we, we oh, it is definitely there. rippable. Definitely rippable. But apart from that, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. We have definitely enjoyed producing it. And uh, if you'd like to support us, share, like, subscribe, smash that bell. End. Bell end. That was my that was my part. That was, that was my part. You guys have just been awesome. Let's just thank our audience. Like like just thanks thanks for watching. Like just share this shit. We really appreciate your support and thank you to all our uh, question yes senders. We honestly I loved that. That was amazing. It was so it was cool. it felt like such a it was a, it was a great back and forward and it really gets me excited for all these guest episodes we've got coming up. I've got ten seconds. So Finn wrap it up. Cut to.